At Can't Stop Endurance, we work with runners from beginner to advanced. From rookies to marathon champions, we provide personalized coaching to help endurance athletes reach their personal goals. Whether it is a 5K or 100-mile ultra, Can't Stop head coach Kevin Leathers has been there as a coach and an athlete for nearly 40 years. He also serves as the national coach for the St. Jude Healers program. And now, here's Coach Kevin. Welcome back to the Can't Stop Endurance podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Coach Holly Hensel. And Holly? Hi, how are you doing? I am great, and I am excited about today because we get to do one of our favorite things. Q&A! Coach Q&A, where we just are going to take a few topics that our listeners have sent in. Most of them come in through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to dig into some of these topics. And we, we really like to talk running, and we're going to do, do that. I do. And I love talking running with you. Right? I know. We have so much fun. We do. And so much information. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the first question. So the first question is about what this listener would describe as stress buckets. And so stress buckets can be life, it can be work, and the combination of all that and running and how all those quote-unquote stress buckets affect our run performance. Yeah, that, that's a real thing. That is a real thing. And, you know, most of the athletes that we coach outside of your high school cross-country team mm-hmm. are adults with jobs and families, family and all the stress that comes with life mm-hmm. and that managing that can be very difficult and helping others manage that and help them fit their running into their life and not let it become another stress bucket. Mm-hmm. It's a, there's a real art to that. Yeah. So tell me about stress buckets, <laughs> stress buckets, which one? <laughs> <laughs> I like that analogy, right? You've got to, you've got to carry your load. You do. And those stress buckets get filled up from a lot of different, a lot of different areas. I would say for me personally, Um, I would say the last seven months of my life, I've probably had the most stress buckets that I've had in a long, long, long time. And so through that, I've learned a couple of things. Um, the first thing I learned is have a little bit of compassion for yourself. I don't know if you remember back in the summer, I think I went on maybe an eight mile run and I got halfway through it and I just almost like had a, like a panic attack as I was running. And you told me, you're like, you got a lot going on right now. Just take care of yourself, do what you can. And that advice right there of just, you know, sometimes life is really stressful and you have to think about in the end what is best for your health and have a little compassion for yourself. But the other piece of advice you said was just one foot in front of the other. Don't worry about pace right now. Just get out there and run because running can be a great release for those stress buckets. If you make it, you know, if you make time and performance, not your focus at the time. Well, and it, it can't be the, the focus all the time because yeah. life is stressful. Mm-hmm. When life gets stressful, and we're talking about all things, major and minor, mm-hmm. something has to give. And if you're trying to push through your run performance and force that, it becomes an added stressor and it makes all the buckets heavier. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. in those times when you're carrying that big stress load, let's let your running be an escape in therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just go run, just go run, cover the watch up and just go out and run and let it be your release, not an additional stress yeah. point. Cause then everything gets worse. And I think runners need to hear that. They need to hear that. And it was helpful for me to hear from you to say, just go and run. Don't worry about anything else. And also too. 
um, not just asking for help from a coach and giving, you know, having them give you a good piece of advice like that, but we've all got people that we run with, I would think. And so one of the things that I did to help me kind of, you know, get out there and run is I relied on people like Laura, my training buddy of 15 years saying, I said to her, I need to run with you a couple of days a week. I need your accountability. I need you to help me put one foot in front of the other. And that for me was a good way to keep running through a lot of the, of the, of the stress buckets at the time. So accountability from a coach who can know, who knows you and knows when to say, okay, maybe you need to relax a little bit. And accountability from a run partner who can help you get out the door, I think is super key as, as all that is happening. Yeah. And I think that uh, that distraction of that running partner is good in those times because as much as running is a release for me and it's my time, yeah. sometimes I don't want to be in my head alone yes. that often. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have the buckets that are weighing right. you down so bad. So having that training partner or listening to a podcast or mm-hmm. whatever can quiet those voices in your head a little bit yeah. when you don't want to be dwelling on those things. You mm-hmm. want the run to be an escape. So that's where that training partner comes in handy. And you reach out and you say, hey, come run with me today. Yeah. And it totally changes the dynamic. Yeah. Because stress buckets, I mean, you can't you can't carry all those buckets by yourself. No. Um, and so it's good to to reach out and get and get some accountability in that. Yeah, I think you need, and when the time comes, I I talk about this a lot with our runners. You're signing up for a big goal. Let's, uh, it's a a race in March. Mm -hmm. I always say, okay, this is a big goal. And those 12 weeks before that are going to be heavily run focused. Does your life, those 12 weeks allow for this focus? Because this is going to add stress because your weekends are going to be busy with these runs. You're going to have hard workouts during the week. You're going to be tired. Is this a good time? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a great time. Work's kind of quiet. I don't have any trips. Or, oh, no, you're right, because we've got family vacation. Mm-hmm. I've got a big project at work, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. My so daughter, soccer season, all the things. All those things. Mm-hmm. Give yourself the best shot at two things. Most of all, manage your life. Yeah. And then give yourself a good shot at managing this thing that we all love, which is our running yeah. and our fitness. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. I can think back to when I first started running as a teenager. Yes, I liked the competition and the team and all of that, but it was also an escape. Mm-hmm. I was that 15-year-old who was out running around the neighborhood every day. Yeah. It was it was a release from whatever that 15-year-old trauma was yeah. going through my head, and it still serves that same purpose. The reasons have changed, and the things I think about have changed, and the yeah. problems have changed, but it's still that escape. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to lose that. No, Mm-mm. because it's a it's a good it's a great sanity check and a and a place for me to go just for me. Yeah. And and don't you think that we see it all the time? I've seen it myself in my own running and with the athletes we coach, trying to force performance during those highly stressful times mm. never works out. Never works out. You got to be flexible. Just be realistic, be flexible and be realistic with what you have going on in your life because there's always another race. Yeah. And I really like your, your idea of, you know, you've got to be a little compassionate with mm-hmm. yourself and give yourself a break. Yeah. If it's not your time to qualify for Boston, it's not your time to qualify. And that's, you know, it's easy for me to say, I'm on here podcast. Hey, it's, it's not your time. It's not your time. I get it. I know it's hard, but sometimes you have to be realistic and again, just Give yourself a, a little bit of um, of grace there and reset yourself, reset your goals, 
and it will always be there. Okay. All right. So the next question we have is, oh, listening to your body. When does it need rest and when you should push through? Boy, great question. Mm -hmm. Especially right now, we're in the fall. It's marathon season. Lots of big races, big miles, big training, and big fatigue. And I think it, as a coach, I want to be in really close contact with my athletes. This is why we both ask our athletes for, I need your logbook. Mm -hmm. How's your training going? I need to hear from you. Communicate to me. I can't tell you how many times I say that over and over again. I need to know how you're feeling. Because we need to, as a coach... And those of you who don't have a coach, as a runner, we have to learn the difference between just that everyday walking around fatigue from training and am I injured or overtrained? And Mm -hmm. it's a fine line sometimes. And we can, we can, we can walk on both sides of that line and Mm -hmm. we have to be very careful. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's tricky as a coach and I think it's tricky as a runner yourself. Like, is this, is this what's happening to my body right now? This little twinge I feel in my knee, is this overtraining or is this just a bad day? It's a really hard thing to to figure out in some instances if you're not in close communication with your coach. Right. And you have to be very honest with yourself mm-hmm. and with your coach about those little aches and pains if it keeps showing up. When you have that bad long run, mm-hmm. which it happens in just about every marathon training cycle, you're going to have one or two dogs. Yeah. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. The goal is you're fatigued, your legs are tired, but you finish the run. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. I want you to be able to push through on fatigued legs and a fatigued mind Mm -hmm. and finish the run. Yeah. I think that's part two, knowing your athlete. For me, as a cross-country coach, it's they have got to do a good job of communicating to me of so I can know when to push this kid. Is this a kid that I can push? Is she tired? And she just needs a little bit of, you know, a little hand on her back to say, you can do this, go. Or is there, is there really something going on with her? And so that is, you've got to be able to, to communicate to your coach and for your coach to know you and know when you should, when you should push and when you should, um, uh, you need a day off. Yeah. And, and, and part of that trick is you got both ends of the spectrum. You've got the runner that cries wolf every day. Yes. Oh, that was the worst. That was the hottest. Mm -hmm. That was the hardest. Mm -hmm. My legs are dead. And then the other end is, I don't hear about it for three weeks. And they come up and say, oh, my my foot is on fire. I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, when did that start? Oh, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. ago. Mm. So that's where that communication comes in handy. Weekly training log with detailed notes. Mm -hmm. What goes right, what goes wrong. We can typically diagnose, okay, am I, is this runner just tired and that easy or rest day is going to spark something and they'll mm-hmm. come back recharge or they really run down and we need a super easy week yeah. to get out of that overtrained syndrome. I think a lot of runners get caught up in the, in the idea of, of FOMO, especially this day and age with social media and people are taking pictures of their runs. They take pictures of their watches. Um, and for me, coaching a cross country team, they're all together all the time. They're doing all these runs and they don't want to be left out. Or so-and-so was at a 5K on Saturday, and I want to run a 5K now. And so you, I would say a majority of the people that I have coached, they tend to err on the side of, we're going to push through. Always. Always. Um, and then they come, by the time they come to me, I had a runner this past season who tried to push through for three weeks and then literally came to me on a Monday and could barely walk. Her hip was completely shot. And you know what happened to her the rest of the season? 
she was done right absolutely done yeah it's it's a it's a tough thing and then and so you want to learn for yourself as a runner and as a coach you need to be able to identify is this person overtrained and those are things like um Boy, my, my quads are sore from mm-hmm. my run. Okay, are you a little dehydrated? Both are sore. Great. One side is sore. Oh, well, now we're, yeah, we may be on the way to an injury. Or I'm not sleeping well. Yeah. I can't get to sleep or I'm up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Or my resting heart rate is elevated. Yeah. Or my heart rate, that's a big leading indicator of overtraining. Of overtraining is my heart rate's elevated at all levels. Yeah. What my easy run heart rate is elevated, my resting heart rate is elevated. Another reason to check your resting heart rate every day, because that's a really good indicator. Or somebody who's getting a sinus infection every couple of weeks. Who's sick yeah, all the Stomach time. Stomach bug, always mm-hmm. sick. Now we're talking about a runner who's overtrained mm-hmm. and needs to really dial it back. You can still salvage the season, but it's going to take some drastic action in the short term to do that. And the sooner you tell your coach, the quicker you'll be back. Yep, absolutely. You know, as soon as you feel a twinge in your knee, let's talk about it. Let's talk about when it started and maybe you just need a week where you don't do anything and then you're, we jump right back into it. But again, that whole thing of, 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 you know, FOMO and we want to get out there and we want to run because everybody else is doing all their speed workouts. You've got to take care of yourself and the quicker you do it into the injury and you're patient, the quicker you'll be back. Yeah. It's pretty simple. The, the sooner I can convince you and prove to you the value of the easy days and the rest days, mm-hmm. the quicker we're able to progress on the hard days and the faster you'll eventually be. Mm-hmm. But it takes such patience. It does. It's so hard. And, you know, here's something that I personally battle with, full disclosure. Those days where I just, I'm just feeling lazy mm-hmm. and I have to do that self-assessment. Am I... Do I really need a break today and an easy day or am I just being lazy? If I'll get up and put my shoes on and push myself out the door or get in the car and drive to yoga or get to the gym to get that workout done or get on the rower and get my rowing done. Most of the time, I'd say 90% of the time I was just lazy and. And once you're done, you feel awesome. Why did, why did I, why did I dread this? It's always better when it's done. Mm -hmm. When I know I need a break, again, I can look at my calendar and it's that week where I trained hard and then maybe I was on a flight and I was in a hotel for a couple of nights. I didn't mm-hmm. sleep great or I had a rough night's sleep because I had a hit. Whatever those things are, now I'm truly, I can see and identify, yeah, you're really just worn out. Yeah. You need an easy day. Pushing through that can make that fatigue linger for a week i want to knock it out i want to get a good night's sleep i want to rest the next day and then be ready to go yeah so yeah that's just that personal inner voice that just just get it done stop being lazy we talk about a training log all the time and that goes back to everything we just talked about is that all the evidence typically lives in your training log do you still have all your old training logs i have training logs going back to the 80s yeah all right. And I've got a, a big box in the attic. So when I, let's say I'm training you for a marathon, mm-hmm. I'll go back. We've got general templates to follow. Yeah. But if I'm looking for something new, I might go back and pull out the training log from my marathon PR year mm-hmm. and look, well, what was I doing six months before that? And yeah. tweak some workouts. It just mm-hmm. refreshes my memory. And personally, it tells me what 
worked best for me. I can mm-hmm. go back and replicate that yeah. and fine tune it. So yeah, I, I can't stress the importance of a training log Yeah, and not just the online thing that has the math in it. You need notes about how you felt, what you did, yeah. because we can typically diagnose why that run went well or poorly. Yeah. I just ordered a new training log this week and it came yesterday. So proud of you. Thank you. Such a, such a good runner. <laughs> well, that's debatable sometimes. I've struggled with the training log the past couple months, but I'm getting back into it. All right. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the uh, third question, which is every year I stop training during the winter. Why? Why would you do that? How do I maintain fitness and start 2019 in a better place? I I, I, I don't understand. You the put in all the work training. for months and right? then you just stop. Well, I mean, they get called. <laughs> right. How many people have told, have told me, I'm sure they've told you, I don't run in the cold. Right. I, okay, fine. Yeah. I, I'd rather you be honest and say, I don't run in the cold. Okay, great. There's a thousand other things we can do. Yeah. I don't understand. Now, you got, you got to remember, I've been doing this for almost 40 years. Okay. I don't understand letting yourself go for three or six months. I don't need And that. having to start over. You've done all this work. For all these months, mm-hmm. whether it's you lost the weight or you improved your time or you ran further than you've ever mm-hmm. run before, and then you're going to stop. And then you got to start all over again. Oh, my gosh. And you're older. You're, you're older, and it's going to get harder. So let, let's talk. Here's what we do, you and I do with our runners this time of year. Okay. Season's almost over. Mm-hmm. Traditional season's almost over. Yeah. We're going to sit down and look at what went well mm-hmm. in 2018. What were the big wins? Mm-hmm. And it might be you placed in your age group, you won a race, or you PR ran here. Yeah, you ran a race you've never run before. Mm-hmm. You ran the longest you've ever run. Whatever that is, great. How did we do that? What went well? Well, I lost some weight. I got in the gym. I started yoga. I this, 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 and this. Okay, yeah. great. We figured out a formula to mm-hmm. improve. What didn't go well? Yeah. What were your limiters in that? And how do you overcome those limiters Mm -hmm. and we'll identify that. So let's say your limiter was tight hips Mm -hmm. or nutrition. I can't, I I can't stop eating fast food. I can't stop eating donuts, (laughs) soft drinks, whatever that is. Well, let's, let's work on that over the winter when there's no training pressure. All we're trying to do is maintain Mm -hmm. and get in the gym, get to yoga class, get on the spin bike, get Mm -hmm. in a rowing class, whatever that is and fix those limiters and build towards next season. So we've identified what worked, we identified what we missed, and we set some goals for what we're going to do to build on the success. Yep. Then you have to get accountable. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way to do that is share those goals with a coach, a training partner, yeah. a buddy, a significant other mm-hmm. who will check in on you. Yep. We talked about this on the last thing. It was, here's my training. Here's the workout I've got to do. Yep. When I get back, ask me how <laughs> ask it went. Ask me how it went. <laughs> did I do seven hills or did I do eight? <laughs> So you've, you've set up the accountability now and then set some goals, right? Whether it's a time trial, whether it's that, uh, spring 5k, spring 5k, a fall marathon again, because you've got to work for those months out. Absolutely. So you set your, we'll set a couple of big goals for the next year. Mm -hmm. And it might be, like you said, we want to PR our 5k in the summer. Mm -hmm. And then I want to PR my half marathon or my marathon in the fall, or I'm going to do my first 50k trail run Mm -hmm. next year so we work backwards and we're going to spend all winter working on your limiters improving those things that we need to improve and then we're going to 
set some short-term benchmarks for February, March. It might be jumping in that 5K or that 10K. We're not really training specifically for that, so we're going to be we're going to have to be satisfied with whatever race time we get. It's just a benchmark to see where we are, yeah. and then we take that and build towards the next one, and then move up through the ranks and set those intermediate goals. And I think that keeps you on track. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about limiters because I think that's really important to be honest and and admit what your limiters are, and then what you were able to do to solve it or what you didn't do to solve it. So okay. Holly. What's the limiter that you've worked on and how did you solve it? Last winter, when I sat down with you, I have always had trouble with my hamstrings. Um, I'm not very flexible. And we talked about how I could solve that. And we talked about going to see um, a chiropractor that you know who works with athletes and who does a lot of the active release therapy. And so, um, and so I made the appointment. Which, you know, we all know what we should do, but we don't always make the appointments or do the things. And so I went to see him three or four times and he did all the active release. He did the dry needling, all that stuff. But what he told me was what I'm doing is not enough. You're going to have to start your own um, stretching routine of yoga and rolling, like really being consistent with that stuff. And that's what I did all last winter. I think I went to see him twice in December, twice in January. And in that time, December and January into February, and I'm still, I would say the fall, this fall, once school and cross country and other life stress, I've backed off it a little bit. I need to be better about it. Doing the yoga. I went to yoga all summer. Um, I did some yoga at home and I am on my foam roller probably twice a day. And you know what I haven't had trouble with this year? Hamstrings. My hamstrings. Literally, I, I can't tell you five or six years I struggled with them. And you finally said, dude, let's see if we can get this figured out. Let's fix this. And so part of it is just that, that, that push. Like you say, this is my limiter. You say it out loud to somebody and they help you work out. Okay, now how do we fix this? Make a plan, make a goal, and you do it. And so I haven't had hamstring trouble this year. Knock on wood. But you know what you have had? What? Better performance Better this year. Better I have. Great. You made big strides this year because mm-hmm. you solved that. Yeah. Awesome. What about you? What's been a limiter for you? I think for me, one of the big limiters, uh, as life gets busy and coaching business gets busy and you get focused on all those things, I get lazy with my training plan. And I think, oh, I know what to do. I have a hard time holding myself accountable. No, I get that. That's why I've been, because I'm a coach. I've done this for a long time and I would just coach myself. And I finally, two years ago said, I can't do this anymore. This is, I am limiting myself. Yep. So I just saw my, my discipline erode because I wasn't paying attention. So now I do write my training plan, but I give it to you and others to hold me accountable. Here's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Here are my limiters. Yep. Make sure I'm hold I'm accountable to these. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to start rowing as an extra aerobic volume exercise and to work on my yeah. hip flexibility. So I went and found a coach mm-hmm. who will hold me accountable and look at my workouts online and keep me accountable. So I just had to go back and restructure my support system to hold myself accountable. You know what the theme is so far of this podcast and probably of all the podcasts we do? Accountability. Oh, it's powerful, right? Community, coach, running buddy. You know, it's really a, this is really, running is a solo endeavor. It is, but. But it takes a village mm-hmm. to do it well. It does. What do you like to do in the winter? 
I typically spend my winters running a lot of trails. Yes. You can, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I asked you that because that's what I do too. I love getting on the trails in the winter. I can build a lot of volume mm-hmm. on the trails in the winter with a lot less soreness and injury mm-hmm. than I can on the roads. Yeah. I like to work on my limiters. So this year it's going to be more rowing, more strength work mm-hmm. to get rid of some of the hip weakness. Yep. Um, if I'm really dedicated, I'll get back in the pool and swim. What? Yeah, I know. Right. It's been a few years since I've been very consistent in the pool. Uh-huh. So just those things I'm, you know, I'll get out and run in the cold, but I do. Yeah. We probably spend a little more time inside in the gym mm-hmm. doing those. That's the same things. for me. I love I love getting out in the trails. I love the trails in the in the winter. There's always the fun Memphis races, like at the Herb Parsons and um, Swamp Stomper and stuff. I love doing all all that stuff. But the strength training too. It's cold. Getting in the gym and um, working on things like my hamstrings and my core and things that maybe I'm too busy for in the fall, or I say I'm too busy for in the fall. All right, y'all, don't stop training in the winter. That's our advice. Just do it. You worked hard. Keep it up. Set a goal. Okay. Next question. What is the best pace to run in races and training runs? You know who this question, who asked this question? No telling. My daughter, Anna Claire. Anna Claire? Mm -hmm. She's a good little runner. She's nine and a half. She wanted to be on the podcast and I told her no, but she said, I told her to think of a good question. And she sat there in the back of the car for a couple minutes and this is what she came up with because she has been in my, I do track classes for little kids and I have for years and one of the things I always talk to them about is their second third and fourth graders is their pace because you know what they all want to do go fast sprint (laughs) they want to sprint and so I always talk to them about pace and so she's got that in her little brain all about pace and so that's her question what is the best pace to run in races and in training runs yeah she's had a great year she did she's her first year that she did uh lower school cross country and she PR'd I think almost every race way to go Anna Claire thanks great (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a that's an important question, and I think you take accountability and uh, mental wellness out of the coaching job, yeah. and that's next on the list is uh-huh. teaching people proper pacing, mm-hmm. proper race strategy pacing. Yes. So let's start with training runs. Okay. When I get a brand new runner mm-hmm. and they haven't raced in a year, yeah. What do you what do you tell them to do? We typically, I'm going to want to build eight weeks of just base mm-hmm. mile running at an easy conversational, low heart rate pace just to get you running again. And that, so we can't really set a target pace. We're going to set either a target heart rate or mm-hmm. perceived exertion. Okay. You need to run easy enough that we could have a conversation. Okay. Then after eight weeks, we have to get a benchmark. We do. So again, with no expectation no set goal. I need you to go sign up for a 5k Mm -hmm. or go to the track or out on your neighborhood and do a two mile time trial Mm -hmm. as hard as you can. And that helps us set pace goals, pace goals, give Mm -hmm. us a pretty good idea where you live now. And then we can set your easy pace, your long run pace, your Mm midweek pace and those kind of things. So it really, where do you get those paces? So as coaches, we all use the same formulas. Okay. Uh, or you can go online to something like MacmillanRunning.com. Mm-hmm. They've got a great pace calculator on there, Macmillan Calculator. Mm-hmm. And you plug in that two-mile or 5K time trial yeah. time, and it'll spit out a nice little piece of paper that has all your training paces mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. That is the key to progress and avoiding injury yeah. is training at the right paces. So you have to set benchmarks. You have to 
get some information back mm-hmm. from those benchmarks and then follow that along. Yes. And the only time we change your training paces is based on the evidence we see in performance. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes to me and says, you know, we haven't changed my training paces in a few months. I think I should be running faster. What's my answer? Let's go do a 5K. Let's see where you are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The proof is in the pudding. So yep. pro- I, I, there's nothing more that I want for you than to oh, yeah. make you faster. Oh. But we have to do it the right way mm-hmm. to keep you, keep you healthy and injury free. And then those runners who want to progress, you, you, need, to, you need to race frequently. Uh-huh. And if you're a 5K person, you can race every month. Mm-hmm. And that gives us a really good idea of yep. how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the general answer to that and to a runner like Anna Claire is you should be running easy most of the time. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. So that you can finish the whole run. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, that you, how mm-hmm. fast should I start today? Well, you need to go out easy enough that you can cover the whole distance. Yep. We don't want you walking the last mile or two or three. Yeah. And that's hard. That's a hard thing for, I think, anybody and any runner to <clears throat> to think about, whether it's, you know, a freshman on my cross-country team. And when I give them workouts, I usually don't give them miles. I give them time because I have a kids who are, I mean, they could do four miles in 30 minutes or I have a, somebody who could do four miles in an hour. So I tell them, 40-minute run, run today, run at a pace where you can run for 40 minutes, not where you can go fast for 20 and then you have to walk coming back in, but find that pace where you are comfortable and you can run the whole time. But then I've got the fast kids who I say run for 40 minutes and they take off. So I have to dial, I have to, I have to push those, you know, freshman intro to cross country kids. And then I have to dial back the seasoned veterans who want to go fast. And I, show them paces. Like I take their times, plug it in and say, this is what you should be doing. You need to try to hit this. Um, so I think it's, it goes with your not so fast and your fast and your fast runners too. Yeah. And I think fit and not fit. We give our can't stop runners very specific guidelines. Mm -hmm. That's part of what they pay us for. Here's what you should be running, run this fast on the hard day, no faster than this on the easy day. But for that casual runner out there or a young runner who is not so tuned in to specific paces, mm-hmm. then you need to learn to run off of perceived exertion, yeah. which is easy on the easy days. You're not, you don't want to be breathing too hard. You want to be able to finish the whole run. You want to be able to speak if somebody mm-hmm. was running with you. Uh, and most of the runs should be like that, especially in the beginning. If you're yeah. just starting back, you should run like that for eight, 10, 12 weeks mm-hmm. to build up your endurance and build up your body to go faster. What about races? Pacing and races. What's your advice there? Well, uh, it all depends on the, the runner, yeah. right? And the goal. Mm-hmm. If you're highly trained, now don't, that doesn't mean really fast. Mm-hmm. That means if you have been training and working and you know your paces and you know your, you've been setting benchmarks along the way, mm-hmm. you should know exactly what you are fit yes. to run at that 5K or that marathon, mm-hmm. and you start that pace from the gun. Yeah. You know, we, we, all, we see, go to your local 5K, and I'm going to bet that 80% of the field goes out way too fast. Oh, yeah. And it's not in the first mile, it's in the first half mile yeah. or the first quarter mile. Mm-hmm. They'll go out a minute and a half too fast for the first half. Mm-hmm. 
and then they slow down in the second half mile and they hit their one mile. Oh, I'm not that far off. But the first half of that mile, they were way too fast and you just can't recover your heart rate to hold pace. So know your, know your fitness, Mm -hmm. know your capabilities. Every world record, almost every world record ever set was a negative split. The top 10 women at the New York city marathon two weeks ago, all ran negative splits. Yeah. Nobody went out and banked time. Mm-mm. Nobody went through oh. halfway two or three minutes fast. Banking time. Yeah. Banking time. So even pace the whole way mm-hmm. is the, once the runners learn that they learn to run disciplined in the first third, yeah. steady and focused in the middle third, and then dig deep in the last third. Yeah. When you can run do like that. Run on fire in the last third. Absolutely. When they learn that, that's when PR start to yeah. come and they get big chunks of time back yeah. and you're, you're passing people in the last half mile of that 5k as opposed to being passed yeah that's when it really gets fun yeah i tell my cross cross country kids and anna claire too so it's a little bit a smidge different for them because they do have to get out relatively quickly but i say once you get out settle in settle into the pace that you know is a good pace for you don't worry about anybody else i think that happens too you get caught up in the crowd and the excitement and the energy of the race sell into a pace that you know Get to mile one, evaluate, kind of check yourself. Are you okay? Pick it up a little bit. Get to that second mile, pick it up a little bit more, and then just run. I always tell them to chase as many ponytails as they can. Anna Claire in her first race this year because it was a one-mile race, and she's, she's done a lot of 5Ks. She told me, she's like, I'm just going to sprint the whole, the whole thing. And I said, I think you should probably still listen to what my advice, even though it was just a mile. She almost uh, threw up after the first race. Right. So she learned after that, I can't spend a mile. It's a good lesson. Yeah. <laughs> and then she got better from there. So, okay. Um, all right. Our last question is, there's so much information about fueling out there. All of my running friends think their magic potion is the best. How do I know what to use and how do I use it? Right. Yes. <laughs> there are so many things out there. The big uh, nutrition companies have big marketing budgets. So all these nutritional companies, they do an excellent job and they have big marketing budgets Mm -hmm. to convince us that their product is the latest, greatest magic formula, right? Mm -hmm. And we're easily drawn into that. We want, we want the the magic formula. Oh yeah. But you really have to find out what's best for you. Mm -hmm. What works for your running friends, whether it's their hydration or their Mm -hmm. fuel or their running shoes or whatever it is, might be the worst thing in the world for you. I think I found through trial and error some popular products that everybody was using when I went to try it, and the recipe just did not work for my stomach. No, it did not. And I had to go find something mm-hmm. else. I have a friend, my brother-in-law has an iron stomach and can eat anything and everything, and I cannot. And it is. It's all about trying what is best for you. Yeah, I think it's trial and error. I think we, we learn that in training mm-hmm. on your long runs. On long runs. What, what is my fuel source going to be? Mm-hmm. And we've really got three things we need to manage water water for hydration Mm -hmm. electrolytes to keep our system working Mm -hmm. and then sugar or fuel to carbs to run i think the most misunderstood is number two the electrolytes okay i think we see more performance drop off at the end of longer events from electrolyte depletion than we do from carbs okay you start to get a little dehydrated. You're getting low on sodium, mm-hmm. potassium, yeah. and it feels like you're bonking or running out of fuel, mm-hmm. and you dump more sugar 
in a belly that's already a little dehydrated yeah. and the sugar doesn't process anymore and it becomes a downward spiral. Yeah. So let's make sure that what we're taking that, okay, I've got my fuel. I mean, I've got my water. Water. That's easy. That's easy. How am I going to get my electrolytes? Mm-hmm. Is it in the drink mix? Yeah. Is it a S-cap tablet, like an S-cap, mm-hmm. Enduralite, a noon tablet? Yeah. Okay, there's my electrolytes, mm-hmm. sodium, potassium, magnesium. Yeah. And then I need some calories. Yeah. And we start, the benchmark is what, 100 calories per hour. Yeah. Whatever works for you. You and I are different. But we're going to start with 100 calories per hour of carbs mm-hmm. in a little gel packet, just for ease of discussion. Yeah. You might find that that's too much. So you're going to take that gel packet every 75 minutes. Mm-hmm. I may need more. So I'm going to take one every 45 minutes. And yeah. the only way we figure that out is in training and dialing it up and dialing it back. And yeah. really fine. If you wait till race day to figure that out, it's too late. Oh yeah. You got to simulate your long runs. You got to simulate what you're going to do on race day. Yeah. And because you don't know what's going to happen to your stomach. <laughs> And it could be something different every time. Yeah. And we, you know, we do some of the longer trail ultras and that's really a fueling mm-hmm. laboratory yeah. because you're out there for four, six, eight, 30 hours, yeah. <laughs> yeah. your stomach, it, it could change hourly as yeah. to what works. And so you have to be flexible and you can't mm-hmm. be so tied in yet. You stick with what works until it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And then you change, you change course. So what we've seen in the last few years is a lot of companies coming out with the all-in-one solution. Mm-hmm. Take this product, and you're going to get everything you need in this bottle. And it's you're going to get your water for hydration, your electrolytes, and your fuel from the carbohydrates in there okay. or the sugar. And that sounds awesome. It's all-in-one. Sounds great. Put it in your bottle. What's the problem with that? If you start to get the dreaded sugar belly from too much sugar you're committed to this bottle because you have to keep drinking to stay hydrated and keep mm-hmm. your electrolytes up, but you can't get away from the sugar because it's in your drink. Okay. Or if you are heavy on the sodium at this point, you can't back off that and stick with the water and the carbs because it's all in one bottle. You can't. So I like to have those separate now. Okay. I tried some of the magic formulas and it didn't work. I want to be able to have water in my bottle. This is for long, mm-hmm. long trail stuff. Yeah. Water in my bottle, electrolytes in a tablet form that I can control, and then an energy source, an energy gel mm-hmm. or chews or something like yeah. that so that I know my body now. I know that, oh, this is, I need, I need a little sugar hit. I'll take the gel. Okay. I'm not going to give up on the electrolytes because I sweat a lot and yeah. I need to keep my sodium up mm-hmm. and whatever happens, I've got that bottle of water. If my, if you start to get that sugar belly where your stomach gets a little iffy, yeah. you can flush it with just the water in your bottle. So you're a little more adaptable. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's great. Um, but again, it's, it's personalized because that actually might work for somebody. Oh, we both yeah. have athletes that we coach who we had a runner last year. Ran she ran miles. her first 50 mile trail ultra and drank an all-in-one sports drink the whole time the whole time and it worked beautifully mm-hmm. so it's all i've learned my formula over years of trial and error yeah. just like that runner she found out that that worked that and worked she stuck her. with it and it was it mm-hmm. worked famously so i'm not saying one's better than the other you just have to find out what's best, what's best for, for you, you? Mm-hmm. um yeah. and i you know i try these new things but i all i know what my formula is and i always end up back at that i do yeah formula i figured it out a long time ago what specific formula, not just specific formula, but what specific brand worked for me. And I've stuck with it ever since then. Yeah. And I think if you, let's say you go to your local running store 
and you're going to try to pick out some food and they typically have a big array of product. Mm -hmm. If you can't stomach an energy gel, fine. It comes in a gummy type form, Mm -hmm. same recipe, just looks and tastes differently. Uh, If that doesn't work, it comes in a powder form. You can put it in your bottle, Mm -hmm. find out what works for you uh, and then stick with that. Okay. And the last part is it's got to be easy and manageable. Mm -hmm. People who say, well, I I run on uh, pickled juice and boiled potatoes with sea salt. Okay. Well, you're at a marathon. Mm -hmm. How are you going to manage that? (laughs) You can carry pickle juice in your bottles and you got to have, you got to stash boiled potatoes. So look at your race. if you're an ultra, you can put that in your drop bag. There you go. Easy and manageable. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is, I think that's going to be it today for our Q&A. We have to stop? We do. At some point. We could do this all day. At some point we have to stop. People are not going to want to hear us talk for another, we're at 45 minutes right now. We could hear ourselves talk, right? All day. All day long. Well, that is another, that wraps up another session of the Q&A with Coach Kevin and myself. Um, Keep sending your questions. Coach at Can'tStopEndurance.com. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so you can leave us some questions there. Um, Make sure to go to iTunes and hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. And as always, as Coach Kevin says, run smart, train hard, and race fast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.